Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we're going to talk about the football game that was tonight, last night. Again, after these games, sometimes I don't get to, to the podcast until we're transitioning from night into morning again. Um, but that's all right. I'm used to it. Uh I'm excited to talk about this game. I'm excited to talk about this season. Um, yeah, but before I do, I uh, want to tell you about Drift Car Sharing, which is an incredible service because it lets you uh, it it lets you save a whole bunch of money and even make money when you use Denver International Airport or a few other airports. Uh, basically, you drop your car off in their lot and then. They rent your car out and insure it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then when you get back, your car is right there where you left it. And they give you money instead of making you pay for parking. Uh, Even if they don't rent your car out, you still get the free parking and they clean it for you. For more information, you can go to drivedrift.com. Okay. Um, So this football game. I've seen a lot of takes. I've seen a lot of takes on Twitter. uh, People who are happy with the result uh people who uh see how the team played early in the game how they i mean and mel actually said they dominated early in the game which you know is kind of a stretch but i see what he's saying for sure and and i've seen some of that reaction but i've also seen a lot of people who are uh really disappointed you know they did lose by 30 points um that never feels good, but again, when the line's at 28 and a half, it's kind of what's expected, uh, something right around that range, and the fact that they, I don't know, there there are a lot of ways to lose by 30 points, and none of them are all that pretty, but the way this team looked early on is enough for me to say, you know what, they probably did what they could do against this football team. Um they they gave him a fight through the first quarter into the second quarter and then just before half things kind of fell apart um again we don't need to spend too much time on this kind of stuff but what happened is the same thing that always happens when the buffs lose at just the little mistakes you know dimitri stanley gets that muffed punt when the ball hits the ground in front of him um falls on or tries to like fall on top of it but it just bounces off of him. Utah recovers, and all of a sudden you flip the field position. 
And that's the game that Mel Tucker knew that he had to play against this Utah team is just this back and forth. Who can, who can dictate the game? Who can just edge out, eke out just a couple more yards than the other side and then eventually capitalize on that. And in, in these defensive battles, that's what it's all about. And when you make big mistakes, you, you just take yourself out of it. Luckily, Colorado's defense was able to respond and really save the buffs in that situation, uh, pushing Utah backwards, didn't even try the, uh, the field goal, and ended up punting. And so when they punted, uh, they could have just caught the ball um, and pinned Colorado inside the five. Instead, it hit the ground. The guy who downed it looked, looked like he didn't know what he was doing at all. Went into the end zone, grabbed it while he was in the end zone. It just didn't make sense um, because he made it a lot harder. And by making it harder on himself, he actually made the result a lot worse for his football team. Um so, so that all just worked out in a way that it shouldn't have worked out for Colorado. Like, that was the break that they got. They were able to survive that mistake, and they were able to go back down the field and respond, you know? Um, that type of stuff doesn't happen consistently throughout a football game. When you get those one or two opportunities or times when the other team doesn't take advantages, advantage of the opportunities you give them, you you, you got to just be happy with it, but then clean it up. And they didn't clean it up. There were plenty of more mistakes. There were missed tackles. Uh, the punt coverage was frustrating. They, they had close to... A, the Utah had close to 100 return yards on four returns. Uh, it was just ugly. It was just ugly. Um, the offense struggled. There were fumbles. Uh, only one that they lost, luckily. Um... The defense struggled as well, uh, giving up some big plays in the passing game, um, letting the quarterback Tyler Huntley of Utah run all over Colorado. You know, Utah just looked like the better team, and that's what it was. Uh, you saw Colorado hang with when they were generally making the good play, making the smart play. Um, and then when they didn't, they kind of got bailed out early on, weren't bailed out by Utah in the same way later in the game. Uh, that's what I saw. It's too bad for sure, um, but it's what happened. Uh, one big note from this game is that Mikhail Onu did not play, and ob- obviously the team missed him. Uh, in his place was Lucas Cooper, the senior safety. Uh, it's it's good that he got some run. He typically doesn't get much run in uh, the normal defense. He's a big special teams guy. Um, cool to see him out there. Cool to see him make a couple decent plays. But again, there's a reason Mikhail Onu is out there. And it's the, it's the next man up, all that kind of stuff. And Mikhail, I got to spend quite a bit of time with Mikhail today just because uh, there, there aren't a lot of buffs people around on the road games. And uh, so, you, you know, before when everybody just come getting out there and stretching. Uh, I got to chat with him for five, ten minutes. Got to talk to him a few more times like that throughout the the, the warm-ups uh, throughout the day just because, you know, he was standing there in crutches all alone. And uh, 
I don't know. I don't know. But but it was it was great getting to talk to Mikhail. And we talked about a whole bunch of different things. One of the things was how excited he was for Lucas Cooper. Um, so excited. He was talking about how, how badly he wanted him to get an interception. He said, like, I, I would charge the field if he gets an interception today. Um, that's the type of guy that Mikhail is. It's definitely too bad that this is kind of how things went. Uh, it's just painful honestly uh he he was telling me about the injury too uh it it's a fractured tibia um no no contact in practice like it it wasn't a contact injury it wasn't somebody hitting him that broke his leg it was just like he took a step and there it went which is uh it's tough and and he realizes how impactful that is um, he, he said he's getting the surgery Monday saying it's like the second best, uh, surgeon for these types of things in the entire world. He's been doing his research. Uh, it sounds like through some, uh, some, uh, NCAA rule, the buffs can fly his family up for the surgery or like the recovery for the surgery. And he didn't realize that. And when he learned, he was pretty excited, um, there's a lot of those complicated rules, and that's one that like works out in student athletes' favor, uh, so that you can do some stuff like that, something like that. Um, I think that that's probably it for the injury. It it just is too bad. It's 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 not how it's supposed to go. You know, this probably was supposed to be Mikhail Onu's last game. You know, you look at Steven Montez and you're like, oh, this is too bad. This is how you have to go out in a five and seven season against, you know, a team that you just can't beat. You're not going to be able to get to the bowl game. Um, but we kind of saw that as the way it was supposed to go. This wasn't how it was supposed to be for Mikhail. He was supposed to play in this last game and sure it was supposed to be a loss and all that, but he didn't really get the chance to fight for it, which is too bad. And when he was walking off the field, it was pretty emotional. A lot of the guys were emotional. Pretty much everybody on the roster was emotional. Everybody I ran into, um, just feel for him. And he's talking about how it's it's going to make things tough for the NFL. Uh, I, I asked, like, how long does it take to recover? And he's like, a long time. It's going to take a long time. Uh, it's too bad. Uh, was great to see him, like, still out there, like, coaching everybody up, the center of all the huddles, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's also really funny seeing him just get almost run over on on the sideline with all these different drills that they're doing he just get a little bit too close and then like run back laughing like oh i probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah i don't know um was good talking to him um bad circumstances uh obviously wish him the best um yeah we can probably move on to things that actually did happen in the game um what do we want to talk about let's talk about LaVisca Chenault, really good at football, can start there, can always start there with him. Um, it's crazy, like even in warmups, I'm still just in awe of LaVisca. You see him and it just doesn't make sense. Like the way his body is built, it just doesn't make sense. Even just looking, like, I'm not sure if he has a helmet that's, like, three sizes bigger than anybody else on the team. But when he walks by you, you're like, even his head is just massive. 
it's pretty crazy. He obviously like having a blast for the game, dancing around, singing. Uh, not much of a singer in my opinion. Didn't realize that till today. So there's some inside knowledge for you. That's why you come here. Uh, they tried to get him the ball early. They tried to force him the ball early, and I think it worked. You know, I th- I think he had seven touches in the first quarter and nine total in the game. None of them were all that explosive. He wasn't picking up 25 yards like you expect him to. When I mean, if you get LaVisca the ball seven times in one quarter, he's going to be putting up 100 yards probably. Because at least one of those is just going to be a big play. That's the way he works. Um, That wasn't happening. And it wasn't because LaVisca wasn't playing well. He was playing well. Uh, But with all those end arounds, uh, you know, the the amount of space he's able to get when he catches a ball and he can't really get ahead of steam up to run somebody over and make a move and get by somebody, you know, that's, that's just what happens against Utah. And the fact that he was only picking up seven yards per touch instead of the 15 we're used to or something like that, that that's just what it takes to beat Utah. You need guys like LaVisca. Uh, you, you look at everybody else's yards per touch, pretty much down because that's what happens against those good defenses. LaVisca was still a superstar out there. It was just that he was a superstar against a really good team. And that means that he put up average stats, good stats, definitely good stats. But for him, probably below average stats. It's, uh, I don't know. I He played well. Pretty much everybody I thought did almost everything that you could expect them to do. There are those big plays that happen, you know, KJ Trujillo, I'm not sure exactly what happened on uh, one of the one of the long touchdowns, but he just wound up being way short of the guy who caught the touchdown downfield in the end zone. I'm not sure if he bit on a run fake or if he was playing the wrong assignment or something like that, but you know he made a mistake. He's also a freshman who should have been making more mistakes all along. He didn't have his best game. But that's going to happen at points, especially for a freshman in a position where you're you're not judged as much by your peaks as you are judged by your valleys. You know, you have a freshman running back and he makes a couple plays. All of a sudden, you see how he's going to be the, the future of the program, all this kind of stuff. And if he has a couple of bad plays and those bad plays are getting stopped at the line of scrimmage because he missed a hole. Those aren't things that garner too much attention. They'll get some. Like, somebody on Twitter is going to be like, oh, yeah, he doesn't have the vision. But 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 it's a lot quieter than it is for a cornerback who, who doesn't really have those highs. Like, sure, he can have interceptions. A lot of the times, especially in college football, the interceptions aren't great plays by the defender as much as they are throws that make you think like what were you thinking there you know like this this just doesn't make sense you just lobbed a ball into his chest for for uh cornerbacks it's all about those lows getting burned and that's what's going to get 
the most attention, not the games where your side of the field isn't even targeted because you're so good, which was what Delrick was doing most of this season. Um, but we didn't hype him up as much just because that's 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 just not something you pay attention to because the ball isn't going that way. Um, so it, KJ was due for a bad week. And it's not like he was bad on every snap. It's not like he was struggling consistently. But when you have a couple of plays that end up being big plays or plays that you could have made, that's what makes it a, a tough outing for a cornerback. You know, when two or three or four of your 65, 70 snaps that you're out there are bad ones, uh, which is too bad that that's the way they're judged, but it's the way that the position works. And, I mean, I haven't lost any faith in KJ Trujillo. Uh, Still definitely think that's a future NFL guy and somebody who's going to lock down a, a very important part of the Buffs secondary for quite a while. Before we move along, I do want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery and uh, their incredible beers. Specifically, I want to tell you about the Colorado Core, which has been one of my favorite beers for quite a while now. I don't think, like, it's not a beer that I'm going to have as, like, my go-to. Like, that's the beauty of the Strawberry Sky to me is that that's a good beer that has like that tiny bit of fruitiness. You can barely tell though. And that's why it's, it's a beer that you can just drink as your primary beer. Like I could put some of those away. The Colorado core, you know, that it's a little louder with the apple. It's more champagne, more cidery. It's, it's all, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a really good beer for sure, but putting down a lot of them wouldn't be as easy as it would be for some other beers. Um, what I really like about it, though, is just that it is so flavorful, that it is so enjoyable. It's something where if I'm just having like a beer or two, sitting down and drinking one of those, incredible. Um, if you guys haven't tried the Colorado Core yet, you should definitely check it out. It's so good. Uh, I'll be having some tomorrow at the Broncos tailgate, the DNVR Broncos tailgate before the Broncos play the Chargers. This will be the first game, first Broncos game that I haven't gone to, first or I guess home game that I haven't gone to this season. And I'm kind of excited about it because as much as I love the idea of going to watch Drew Locke's debut, I also just need a little bit of a break from that football team at this point because, you know, the Buffs didn't have a great season. But I feel like they're trending in the right direction and they were competitive with good teams and I could see how things are going to get cleared up. With the Broncos, it's just painful. It's just painful. And I guess with the Buffs, there's also like people who I cheer for. Like I I want to see Mikhail do well. I, I enjoy KD. Like KD every game. Like, he just has a little bit of that diva in him, and that's what makes it so fun. Like, he knows I have my camera out. He knows there's stuff he wants to do with the camera. He was he was out there today warming up in a polo. In a polo. Like, like a real polo. And he had it buttoned all the way to the top. Like, the top button of his polo, which was a little bit tight, to be honest, uh, was buttoned. And he was out there running routes, like catching footballs. And he came up, and I, I tweeted this video a part of it and uh he was like rapping something 
And while I was there, I was just like, hey, what's up with the polo? And he was like, uh, strictly business or something like that. And I was like, love it. Love it. That's so good. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that you get from Katie. And so I want to see him succeed just because I've had so much time or so much fun interacting with him. Um, and so I have that going for me with the Buffs too, whereas with the Broncos, like I want to see Phil do well. Um, Alexander Johnson, the linebackers, fun to watch. There, There isn't all that much to cheer for with that whole team though. Um, this has been too much about the Broncos probably, but uh, you guys hopefully will be out there for that tailgate. It's free beer, free Breckenridge beer and free food too. And there's like fireball. Usually they're like fireball people. Um, it's crazy to think that that's where I'm going to be in like eight hours because it's 2.30 in the morning and the tailgate starts at 10. And I probably won't catch that, but I've kind of just decided that this is going to be a night where I don't sleep. And as soon as I made that decision, it was honestly relaxing. I thought that making that commitment would just stress me out, thinking like, okay, you're going to have to stay up until five when it's time to get to the airport. You know, maybe you can sleep for like an hour on the plane and then uh, you get off the plane at like 8.30, go take a shower before you hit the uh, hit the tailgate. Or I guess I could like take a nap then too. There'll be a couple minutes taking nap. And then I have Friendsgiving. Uh, not the DMVR Friendsgiving, but another Friendsgiving. So we're going to go watch the Bronco game. Um, but then at like 6 o'clock, I am just going to be out. And I'm not going to wake up until 2.30 on Monday because there's no media stuff to do. I just had to figure out what I want to write about and record a podcast. And it's going to be a pretty nice couple of days after these last few were just insane. I just have to make it another 15 hours and I can probably pull two hours of naps in that time and uh, drink a bunch of caffeine too. Um, I ordered a pizza, which was very good by the way, especially for $5. It, I, I think Uber Eats actually made a mistake. But uh, the only things that you could get to drink from there were Coke and Pepsi, which I thought was really strange because they're basically the same thing. And, like, we don't need to get in the whole, like, Coke is better, Pepsi is better. Like, they're the, no, they're the same thing. And I thought maybe they'd have something, like, at least do, like, Coke Diet Coke, you know? Or, yeah, I don't know. But I have a bottle of Coke, too, with some sugar and some caffeine. Only sold two liters, so that's going to be a waste. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a waste. Hopefully, I don't drink all that. Um, back to sports, though. Boy, has this been something. Oh, wait. Actually, I do want to also tell you about Gold Boys. Um, oh, and then I'll also tell you about my lip and what's been going on with that. Um, if you guys haven't heard of Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution yet, you are in for a treat. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme. They have delicious CBD drinks, lip balms, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. So the lip balm thing, you'll remember I made fun of Ryan quite a bit for like being a big lip balm guy, uh, specifically the Gold Boys CBD one. Like, doesn't leave the house without it. Like, it's a whole big thing. Um, from before, this was even a plug that we did. But, uh... Yeah, I, I always like never needed lip balm. My lips have always just been very good lips. 
And uh, the day after I said that, all of a sudden they got super dry. And like I noticed they were dry, but I didn't really think much of it because, you know, I, I've never had lip problems. And I was driving up to Boulder and I thought of something funny and I smiled really big. And I just like split my lip in half. And it's finally about a week later healing up so that it looks all right. It's not like gross and bloody like i woke up with blood and i'm um point is use their lip balm and i am going to as well um they also carry their own denver made line of cbd products as well as quantum muscle rub rehab x and many more if you visit them oh okay so that was yesterday they had their black friday thing but uh you can also check them out online uh they'll ship things straight to your door The inside of the Smoker Boutique is something you have to see for yourself. It was designed to inspire, motivate, enlighten people, and it does just that. We're talking huge murals of Nelson Mandela, Oprah, Martin Luther King Jr., and so many more with quotes and inspirational sayings across the walls. It's truly one of a kind, and you've got to check it out for yourself. If you can't make it out on Black Friday, which was yesterday, um, remember to shop their products online at goldboys303.com goldboys303.com and you'll receive 30% offsite wide on Black Friday. Okay, so I'm telling you about the things you can't do. Um, and if you're trying to buy in bulk, then you can call them at 720-372-9843 and they'll probably give you a discount. Uh, gold Boys, where everything is gold. I'm kind of scared. It's like when I pull those things up that I'm supposed to talk about, I, I can't see uh, the the information on like what's recording and I guess whether it even stopped recording because that could have happened, but also the time that I've spent not talking about football and I feel like that was probably too much time. Uh, back in now though to the second segment of the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm still Henry and there's so much to talk about, but at the same time, I don't know what I want to talk about. Let's get into the big picture stuff. I think that that's uh, definitely what's most important. And just in case, like, I feel like it fits better at the end, get all the football out of the way, and then start talking about, like, the future and Mel Tucker and all that kind of stuff at the end of the show. But if you guys don't make it all the way to the end, I don't want you to miss it because it is what's most important. So, uh, my thoughts on Mel Tucker. And this is a column that I'm about to publish, but again... I've been sleepless for too long and I just need to reread the things that I write over and over and over again at this point to make sure that they are just like crazy. But uh, yeah, Um, the point is I have complete faith in Mel Tucker and I wrote about this, um, I started writing about a few hours ago and uh, Mel before the game was in like a weird state. Um, and I, I've, I've, I've seen something like it a couple times before, but this particular look that he had, like just vibe that he had was a little bit stronger than I've seen it before. And what happens is he just, he just has so much on his mind that like he'll, look at me and I'll look at him and it'll like take a couple seconds and he'll kind of like snap out of it and look at me and like smile and nod or something. 
And I'll just be like, yeah, like, cool. Sure. We, there's that little like thing that people do to acknowledge each other. But, um, it's interesting to see him when he, he's so far off in his own head, just thinking through so many different things because that's his job is just to like micromanage every little detail. And they were late coming out the tunnel today because the senior day stuff for Utah took too long. And you could t- tell like he got after somebody that was like, why are we not out there? Like we, we are supposed to be like right here, right then, right there. And just all of these little things that he is constantly thinking about. Like, first of all, I mean, there's this outside chance that all of a sudden he just like can't handle it mentally and it overloads him and all that kind of stuff. But what I've seen is somebody who's just in complete control and it definitely takes its toll, but I've only seen this type of stuff a couple of times uh, and typically before games, like when, when he does have the most to manage, getting an entire team of football players into the right spot, uh, you know, all everything down to having like whoever's in charge of packing their suits back up onto hangers and suit bags and bringing them back out because they keep the suits or something. I don't really understand how that works, but just all these little things that he has to take care of. You know, the food, like where are they going to lunch uh, for a 5.30 start? What are you doing with them in the morning? I guess there's mostly meetings. Are they off the night before? Are you going to do meetings? Like there are just so many things that he has to deal with. And then you get into the parents and then you get into the recruiting because he's going to be back on the road, I think starting tomorrow, doing more recruiting. It's <laughs> it's just so much. And, and you rarely see that it stresses him out at all. Like you know that it does because how could it not? But most of the times he's talking, you're just like, oh, wow, this is such like a reasonable well thought out approach there's nothing else on your mind you're giving this your full commitment but when it is time like it is on game days for him to just think about and manage all of these different things you can you can see him do it and that's like obviously his greatest strength and we've said this all before is he's just like a ceo he knows all these different things he's making sure all these things are running the way they're supposed to be running and then if they aren't he has to go in and solve the problems it's uh, it's impressive. It's really impressive. And to do all that is at the same time as, you know, stay on the good side of coaching staffs and football players, like college football players, college kids, the parents, the boosters who are out there, like all these different people who he also needs to keep ple- pleasing. You know, the media... Like he, he needs to keep on this appearance at the same time and he can do it. Uh, and it's just rare to see somebody who has this much control, somebody who understands his job. And it's not that he's like two faced. He's just so multifaceted where he can take on so many different personas depending on the situation, whether it's like media, whether you're seeing him talk to, uh, recruits whether you see him talk to players uh or whether he has time uh on the sideline to just think through all the things he needs to think through it's uh it's impressive i am still very impressed by mel tucker uh 
I think that his standards are very high, and I think that that could, you know, th- something like that has the potential to become toxic. Uh, if if you're consistently failing, um, you're never hitting your goals because your goals are set too high. Everybody inside the program they feel like losers because they're losing. They aren't succeeding at what they're trying to do. Um, and that's something that builds over time. And that's something that you have to worry about is, uh, if things don't go well, what, what then? Like as soon as you stop making it very clear that you are building progress. And I guess maybe this is just what happens when you come into a situation like Mel Tucker came into at CU, you know, not a good football program, not a good football program at all, and hasn't been for close to twenty years. They've they've had a couple of years in there where they've been good, but overall, n- no. And and any time that a coach comes into a situation like that, it's easy to see how it's it it would be difficult to change the culture into a winning culture just because nobody even understands what that is from the athletic director to the fans to the players you know they just don't have confidence in themselves they don't have a belief that they can beat a team like Utah and that was not the case tonight everybody out there was convinced that they were going to beat Utah you know I talked I talked to people from all different parts of this uh, football program, whether it was, you know, Mikhail, who who plays on the team. And I said, you know, everybody seems pretty confident. Like, I, I, I wasn't sure that we'd see it. And he was like, yeah, you know, we got this. Like, we all think that we have this. And I was like, oh, okay. And talking to somebody from compliance who was there, I was like, yeah, everybody seems super. And it's like, yeah, no, they think they're going to win. And... I kind of, it's, you know, and, 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 uh, equipment even talking to them like, Oh, pretty weird. Everybody's like, and I was like, what do you mean? Like everybody is so sure that they are going to win. Like they, and not in, not in a way that you always say like, Oh yeah, we're going to win this game. But they truly believe they were the better football team. You know, that's, that's what winning a couple games with good defense does. That's also what happens when you have faith in Mel Tucker and when he says, yeah, this is that path. We're finally hitting our stride. Like, you see what we're doing? We're just getting better and better and better. We can beat anybody. And everybody in that program is bought into it. And that's what's so important in a situation like Colorado. But you do need the wins to back it up soon. You know, before the season, my projection was 5-7. and seven. I said that this this isn't like a flex, by the way. But uh, I, I said, and it shouldn't be because I picked most of the games wrong. I just figured five and seven correctly. Um, but but I think that they probably hit their goal. Um, and they would never admit that. And they probably would never set that goal. Mel Tucker would definitely not set that goal. But in terms of how I evaluate their performance. If you're strictly looking at wins and losses, I say, yeah, you, you, you didn't exceed expectations, but it's not a failure either. You did what you probably should have done. I think the national voices were off in their, I don't, 
off in their predictions, I guess, but just in their understanding of how Mel Tucker works um, and, and everything that he can provide this program. And while five and seven, though, and this is the point I was trying to make, while five and seven is good for this year, like you, you did the minimum. You didn't, you didn't underperform. It takes a step up next year. And it's going to take some time to figure out exactly where I want to set that bar. But if it was five this year, then it's six minimum next year. And it might be seven, too. A lot of that depends on the quarterback situation. But to be honest, Steven Montez lost as many games for this team as he won for them. Probably lost more than he won for them. Again, if you're starting a freshman, if you're starting a grad transfer for, you know, he's transferring for whatever reason he's transferring, you're you're not going to see perfect quarterback play. But it might not be all that much worse than Steven Montez. And with the culture change, all that kind of stuff, and it's obvious that's happening. It's it's obvious no matter who you ask that this is just a different team. And they'll admit it too. I, I think Tony Brown was asked tonight, you know, what's it what's what's right now compared to last year in terms of the Buffs locker room? What's the difference between now and then? And he said, "Oh, it's totally different. We're we're a family now. We uh all these different things." And he said culture change. He said it himself. You know, that's that's all happening. And as that happens, the team is going to get better. Individually, because of the coaching, they'll get better. The recruiting means there will be more talent. But also, they just won't make the stupid mistakes. You know, they'll play good football. They'll respond to coaching. Like, they'll just stop being bad on the plays that they're being bad. Um, and, and you're going to see a step back at quarterback, but that step back, if that costs you one or two games, I think the natural growth of this team probably gives you two or three or maybe even four games. And that'll kind of balance that out just a little bit. The bar for next year, if they don't get to a bowl game next year, that's a problem. Um, that's definitely a problem. They and even that might be a pretty low bar. Um, again, though, on Mel Tucker and even on this coaching staff, and he said he's happy with this coaching staff. Uh, he doesn't see any problems with it. I would expect this entire staff to be back. I was talking with a couple of the other reporters, and they feel that way. Um, again, you got to see it play out, but I think that there's a lot to like um, in pretty much everybody on the staff. Uh, okay. Before I, uh, wrap up this show, uh, I'm going to let Ryan tell you about Blake Street Tavern. What's up guys? Ryan Konigsberg here. And I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, 
uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect, just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. All right. Um, back in for the final segment of the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. And before we finish up the football talk, I do want to note that uh, Colorado's basketball team beat Sacramento State tonight. Not a huge surprise. They're the better basketball program. That was obvious. But Sacramento State was undefeated coming into the game. So uh, you never know. Um I haven't had a chance to watch it, obviously. Like, I caught bits and pieces during the Buffs game, but I was at the Buffs game for most of it, and then I was at the press conferences during the end of it. Um, I'll go back and watch that for sure. I'm about to go edit uh, Ben Girding, the DNVR Buffs interns, three takeaways from the game, and that's how I'm going to get to know what exactly went down. So if you missed it, too, because you were watching football, or you just want to read some takes, um, he's going to have those takes. And that should be up, I mean, probably before you wake up, unless you get up really early, or maybe like East Coast, was it? It's like 5 a.m. already on the East Coast, and we got to finish the show and get that posted and then get to that. You know, it could be tight, but uh, definitely check that out. Definitely follow all of our Buffs coverage, uh, Buffs basketball coverage, because it's going to be a really fun season. Colorado's still undefeated, 6-0. and um, I'm excited to really commit and dig into this team. But that's it for basketball for now. We'll get into that on Monday. But uh, to finish this off, I want to talk about a couple of the stats from the game. Um, before the game, I did like a periscope and... I realized that like the three things that I think that the Buffs needed to win in order to win this game were rushing yards, uh, third downs, and turnovers. Um, I think is that what I said? Maybe red zone was one of the three. Uh, whatever. Point is, uh, that's kind of what I thought I'd come down to. And if you look at those numbers from this game, it, that's where it really looks like things changed. Um. Rushing yards, 207 for Utah, 60 for Colorado. Just couldn't get things going. Ended up being 1.9 yards per rush versus 5 yards per rush. Um, It's a big difference. Uh, Third downs, 2 for 11 for Colorado, 8 for 13 for Utah. That's massive. That's just a massive difference. Um I don't. I think it wasn't until later on in the game that Colorado even converted a third down. Um, Utah's defense was just able to get them off the field, and Colorado's defense wasn't able to get itself off the field, and that turned out to be huge, so huge. Um, and then turnovers, like I said before, uh, Colorado I think fumbled three times, only lost one of the fumbles. That was the one turnover for either side in the game. And that's kind of what separated these two teams. Like 30 points is a big deficit, 45-15. But I really think that that's what it comes down to. Uh, those are those are the moments that decide a game. Um, those third downs, those turnovers. And, uh, you know, Colorado just came out on the wrong side of the battle. 
by a pretty significant margin. Uh, early on, they were able to get those stops because because they forced what three, three three and outs early in the game, maybe on the first three possessions, and then gave up eight for ten from there. Just can't have it. Uh, just can't have it. Um, the the problems that I think they faced on those third downs are they couldn't control the pass rush from Utah. Uh, it seemed like Steven Montez was constantly trying to step through a tackle, you know, trying to brush off some guy who was holding on to him. And uh, most of the time against these defenders, he wasn't able to get free because they're that good. Because when you give them a small angle to make a tackle, they're going to make that tackle because it is one of the best defenses in the country. Earlier in the season, most of these games, Steven gets away from a couple more of those. Um, and, and Steven didn't necessarily have a bad game. 17-26, um, 157, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Definitely not flashy. Definitely not the high-flying numbers that you kind of expected from from Colorado's offense coming into this season. But I think we've realized that when this offense is at its best, that's kind of what Steven's stat line looks like. Um, maybe maybe a couple more completions in there. Maybe get that up over 200 yards to 220. But, but that's more of what Colorado should be looking for than those big 400-yard games where they're throwing the ball over the place. They want to dictate the tempo, the pace of the game. And they did that early. They They did that early on. Um, Alex Kinney was very good early, and I think he made a couple mistakes later on as the game progressed, but that's what the game was, and that's what Colorado wanted the game to be, and that's what Mel Tucker wanted the game to be. Very much old-school football, defensive football, and again, you saw that glimpse. You saw the glimpse early that made you think, oh, wow, this is what he's been talking about. And here's here it is on the field again for a third straight week. And then Utah was just able to take over. Um, as soon as they got a couple scores, Colorado had to press. And when Colorado pressed, Utah took advantage. Um, and that's what Utah wants to do. All right, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back uh, Monday with another show. And before then, I'm going to watch this basketball game so we can talk about that. Um, some more thoughts on the season that I'm sure are going to pop up. Uh, as always, leave your thoughts in the comments and I will get to those on the next show. Um, see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes.
ass. I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now. Why you watching the official? Chill. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Uh-huh. And we ain't playing with you. You can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage. We gon' win it at the line. Chill. I call a water swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after I team. They like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.